Welcome to Fuck Nice, a podcast about showing up for ourselves and others curiously, compassionately, authentically, and intentionally. So this is our first mini-sode. Welcome. We realized that our second episode on boundaries was going to be quite long if we kept all of it intact. And so we're going to try out a thing. And that is that part of that episode is going to be this mini episode. And so what will be covered in this abbreviated version are the common barriers that both Heather and I hear about when it comes to setting and navigating boundaries, the reasons that people are often hesitant to do that uh, or are struggling to. So enjoy the conversation. And uh, after you listen to this, make sure you check out episode uh, two on boundaries. So this comes up not just in our therapy sessions with people, but also people in our lives that know this is something that we are passionate about and might find ourselves just in conversation. Mm -hmm. And these are the topics that, or the responses that we often hear when somebody is finding themselves maybe resistant or yeah, just resistant to shifting that dynamic with somebody. Yeah. So some examples might be, I don't want to be mean. Just one of my favorites. Um, I'm often a little sassy, sassy about this one (laughs) and that like, so saying like, I have a specific example in my head from a conversation with somebody recently, so I'm, I'm trying not to, like, just repeat that. Um, let's say uh, I was just in New York City two weeks ago, um, and if I had had this experience of riding the bus and somebody is chatting with me um, perfect that I don't really want to chat with, like, I have all sorts of options there, right? Like, I could just decide I'm going to listen to them chat, even though I don't want to. I might listen for a little bit and say, you know, hey, it's been really lovely talking to you. Like, I actually have a book that I really want to read, so I'm going to focus on that now. Um, You could just say, hi, I don't feel like talking. (laughs) Uh, Any of those are perfectly great options that aren't mean. What would be mean is saying, God, you're really talkative, aren't you? With like a tood mm-hmm. or, you know, even more so like, I really just don't want to listen to you anymore, asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so interesting because like, this is what <laughs> I had asshole a lot on the end. I'm like, like name calling is what yes. we get into mean. Yes. Or like, gosh, like you're such an idiot. You can't tell. I don't want to talk to you. Like when you play that out with somebody who says, I don't want to be mean. When we, when I try to offer like, this is what would be mean. It's often so far from what they were going to Yes. Do. You're like, that's mean. That's what's mean. Are you doing that? Not even close, right? Not even close. So yes, I often find myself ideally playfully sassy about like, we are so far from mean right now. Like, and being kind is not just do like, is not, not practicing a boundary is just not automatically nice. It's accommodating to just let that person talk. It's, you know, it's 
maybe considerate of them. But again, if we're on a spectrum, it's so far past your preference Mm -hmm. that like, it's not necessarily nice even. It's just, you're, you're just accommodating that person. There's no, no room for you and your needs in that, which Mm -hmm. does not like what, that's not fair. It's not Mm -hmm. necessary. A lot of times we just decide these things. We decide that it's going to be interpreted as mean. So challenging that is often an interesting place to start with somebody. I see your wheels turning. I'm going to see if it comes up later. Okay. Another one I get a lot is, is that like, I don't know how they're going to react. And this idea that if I don't know how I am so Mm -hmm. conflict averse, can't control for it. Right. If I don't have any idea, I don't even want to try. And the opposite. I know how they'll react. Yes. The frequency with which I hear people say, oh, well, oh, they, will, right. they will just blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> so I hear that you've been paying attention to this person, but like you can't decide for them how they're going to react. Right. Um, that's... And I usually will normalize that with like at our youngest selves, our brain, you know, when it's at its most basic form. All it does is create patterns and mm-hmm. categories. And so it's totally understandable that you have created a category or a pattern with this person. And you're convinced that if you bring up something that might offend them that or might yeah. not be a desirable to hear that you're sure how they're going to react. That is a pattern that you've obviously created. Mm-hmm. And then we just work on getting clear on the motivation, right? Like mm-hmm. that doesn't that potential reaction it could it could follow the pattern mm-hmm. how do we plan for that so that you're not having to again sacrifice or allow a boundary crossing just because of what they might do yeah uh guilt i feel guilty this really probably goes into the being mean in a mm-hmm. lot of ways like it's guilt around being a bad person or being unkind or um But sometimes it can be, like, letting somebody down. Like, Mm -hmm. I guess a lot of times if somebody's verbalizing, well, I would feel guilty, my first inclination as a therapist, at least, is to, like, dig deeper about, like, what's underneath that guilt. Um, So it's actually a pretty broad resistance, but it's a very common one. Yeah, it's one that always gives me this little head tilt because I think, like, I wonder about that boundary crossing cycle kind of either being a cultural thing or like, yeah, like feeling, Mm -hmm. I feel guilty essentially dismantling this scenario that's working for that person. It's like, okay, but it's not working for you. So we can agree that it's not sustainable Mm -hmm. more than likely. So this is something that will have to be addressed at some point. You're kind of deciding like when and how, not if, Mm -hmm. um, or you wouldn't be bringing this up. There's a lot going on there. But like you said, mm-hmm. guilt is such a, like, it seem, often seems super far removed for me, where I'm like, okay, there's something else we have to solve for here. Like, guilt is just the, the word we're putting to it, or it's like the, it's what's coming out, but there's a whole lot more we have to get mm-hmm. clear on. Mm-hmm. And the frequency with which I hear guilt and what somebody means is shame. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, which is a whole different ballgame. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, honestly, it this would be a broad sweeping statement, so I'm, I'm not going to actually make it, but guilt inherently means we feel like we could do something different, mm-hmm. right? And so when we're talking about being stuck, I definitely am more inclined to think that there's shame going on. 
That's guilt. a good point. Um, like guilt is more of a time limited situation usually. Like I did something I feel mm-hmm. guilty for because it's mm-hmm. an action, and shame is like a longer mm-hmm. spread of time because it's who I am all the time. Yeah. Hmm. More. Yeah. Yeah. That could probably be a whole episode in and of itself, so... We'll put that on I'll, the list. I'll, I'll leave that right there, but... Um, we've already kind of talked about this one a little bit, but again, like, fear of confrontation. Sort of similar to guilt. This has got, like, a whole lot of underlying things. Like, right. are you avoiding feeling um, kind of upheaval, like, internally? Are you avoiding people being upset with you? Are you avoiding people being upset with you because you have a fear that they might abandon you? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can get like, yeah, four layers deep or deeper real fast, I think. Right, with, with exactly. fear of confrontation. And I went down the, the fear of confrontation rabbit hole that ends in like self-confidence. What, mm-hmm. what do I feel capable of offering if I start to try to set a boundary and you respond in some sort of confrontational way, whether it's with your voice or your the statements you're making, whatever I'm receiving as confrontation. Mm-hmm. If I have a low self-esteem or low self-confidence, do I feel able to respond and receive that and not, you know, stay neutral or repeat mm-hmm. myself or remove myself? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is I, I am struggling with my sense of self or my identity too much, then that might prevent me from even thinking I can start this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we talked about three different versions then of avoiding confrontation there. Cause you also kind of mentioned just like the control factor of, right. I don't like confrontation because I may not be able to control what the outcome is, mm-hmm. which is a different set of motivations than the two we just talked about. Mm. So power differentials can be a, a barrier to setting boundaries. So a lot of times this comes up with, for me, with clients that would like to set a boundary with their boss mm-hmm. and maybe feel, or a parent, and feel mm-hmm. like, yeah, that there's this inherent built-in power differential mm-hmm. that they are convinced will prevent them from from that being successful. Mm-hmm. Yes. It takes... A really safe space, I think, for that particular kind of communication of a boundary, navigation of a boundary, um, to be done effectively when there's a power differential. Right, because one time, one thing that will come up is, like, if I do that, Heather, then I will lose my job. And what am I going to say? Of course, like, that is a very valid fear. Yeah. And you have to be at a point where you value or feel, again, that confidence or that assuredness that this is worth that possibility. Mm-hmm. I'm willing mm-hmm. to take that risk. I don't have any way of knowing for sure that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But again, patterns or context, just the threat of potentially losing your job could keep you from setting that boundary. And that might just be where we're at. Yeah. But the example that we had come up with was when I was on the, the verge of burnout as your employee... Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, like, you know, how do I know, like, I need to set a boundary here. This is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, there was a version, I guess, where if you had, if we had had a pattern where I brought up concerns and you were dismissive, that maybe uh-huh. I would have avoided that or yeah. I would have felt more hesitation. Thankfully, I didn't. Yeah. But if I had, I would have had to get, have been to a point where if you had said, this is just how it is, even if it wasn't unkind, if it was just a factual, like, you're going to yeah. keep getting clients like until you don't. This is just the, the reality. Um, I would have to be okay with saying, then I'm going to leave, right? Like, or Mm -hmm. like, this is, I'm bringing this up because if the answer here is Mm -hmm. this is going to keep happening, then Mm -hmm. the only thing I can control is whether or not I stay. Mm -hmm. Or if you choose to fire me because I say, no, I'm not taking a new client. Mm -hmm. I have to be willing to, to accept the potential outcomes. And a lot of times that's why we avoid the boundaries because we're yeah. not ready to accept that potential outcome. Yeah. That makes me think about, we don't have this on our list, but a barrier being disappointment. Mm. Um, not wanting to be disappointed with whatever the answer or outcome is. And so if you bring that up to your boss and they, you know, maybe even respond empathetically, like, I hear you. I often feel the same way, but like, there just isn't anything different we can do. The fact that you then get to navigate that disappointment and figure out like, okay, well, what, what do I do next? Um, Cause one thing I will, I will say very frequently to clients is just because you've asserted a boundary <laughs> doesn't mean or stated a need or what, you know, however you want to word that doesn't mean that things change. Um, it's often the first step to change. Nothing will change if you don't do that, mm-hmm. but it does not mean that things will change. Um, because you exist in a world with other people who have free will. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think one barrier to verbalizing a a boundary can be being disappointed Mm -hmm. that somebody doesn't care, isn't respecting it, isn't listening, um, just can't, isn't available. Mm Um, and I don't know. I don't think we're super great at sitting with disappointment as a society. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so there's a very real desire to avoid that, I think. Definitely. Obviously, you kind of got here down the rabbit hole of guilt, um, I think, if I remember correctly, or fear of confrontation. But, mm-hmm. like, if we end that rabbit hole with fear of being abandoned or left, this idea of if I set this boundary, the conclusion could be, I'm alone or I have to leave this job or I have to leave this relationship because they aren't able or willing mm-hmm. to honor my need. Mm-hmm. If, if being with someone is more important than experiencing that abandonment or potential abandonment, then, then maybe mm-hmm. that's where you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we've kind of already referenced this throughout, but a lot of times when we're hesitant to verbalize a boundary, it's because we're caught up in being nice to other people. Um, we don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. We don't um, want them to dislike us. We don't want to cause problems or make waves. Um, and all of those things are examples of oftentimes being nice rather than kind right. um, because ultimately they all reflect back on how people think about you, perceive you, whether or not they like you. Um, 
Which we, again, have the illusion of control over. Yes. It's not actually control. <laughs> yeah. Not actually. Not actually control at all. Um, <laughs> We're dismantling Chelsea's entire existence <laughs> with that topic. But I'm laughing because I've really been enjoying Taylor Swift's Mastermind. Mm. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Yes. It's been really, <laughs> really speaking to me. <laughs> I love that album. I do think it's worth noting that the point of that section is simply to understand, like, if this is something, hopefully normalizing, right? Like, we're talking about it, it makes it sound like, set the boundary and set yourself free and everything will be hunky-dory, but, like, the things that keep us from setting boundaries are normal and understandable. And even though it was just a tidbit, hopefully that also gives you an idea of if that's a reason that you are preventing setting a boundary, maybe that's something you could explore in therapy or with a trusted person of, can you help me get to the other side of this? Can you help me get clear on this part that I can own before I then try to set this difficult boundary? Because it is understandable and it's, something we all struggle with. Thanks for listening to our first mini-sode. This is Chelsea, your uh, editor extraordinaire. And we're calling this uh, Boundaries 1.5. So if you're listening to this, your next step is to go on to episode three or Boundaries Part 2. Thanks again for listening. 